Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with uh, someone uh, who has been an educator and a, a mathematician for, uh, for so many years. And uh, she's won so many awards and accolades over this uh, course of time. Uh, Darlene Cunahan is our very special guest and uh, absolutely thrilled to introduce all of you to her. And you'll be hearing from her more. But uh, for now, let's uh, let's introduce Darlene Cunahan. Uh, Darlene, how are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you very much. Uh, well, I, I spoke to you a little bit off mic before, and uh, you know I think it's important to kind of find out a little about you. And if you can, give us your history and start from the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you raised? I was born in Cumberland, Maryland, and I lived there until I graduated from uh, Hood College with my undergraduate degree. Uh, it they had a BA program, not a BS program, uh, <laughs> but it was a four-year program, and I majored in mathematics and minored in secondary education. Um, so actually, for for four years, I spent most of the year at college and the summer somewhere else. Often in back in Cumberland, but like one summer I worked in. Ocean City in the summer. Uh, and anyway, when I was a senior in December at Hood College, uh, they had a, a day where people came in and did interviews to hire people for when they graduated. And I went and I saw one person from Montgomery County Public Schools in Maryland. And... Um, after the, at the end of our interview, he hired me to start teaching in September of the following year. So I, I and it was the only interview I went to. Wow. So, and I, so at any rate, uh, so, so about later that same year, or actually it was the next year, because that that interview was in uh, December. I started working at Cabin John Junior High School that was in Potomac, Maryland. It was in uh, a neighborhood where there were a lot of um, people who were known, worked for the government. Uh, I thought Neil Armstrong's son <laughs> and some other people, yeah. Uh, so, and, 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 you know, it was a pretty well-to-do area, although they had pockets of some people that were from lower-income families. Anyway, so I taught there in the very first year. It was an interesting year. Um, I, I am a con- well, first of all, let me say, I told my students, perhaps not yet then, that I stood for excellence, courage, and respect. And when it comes to respect, I'm talking about respecting people, respecting other people's properties, and self-respect. I'm really striving for excellence for things most of my life. I 
decided when I was in elementary school and about second grade that I wanted to become an educator. Um, our family wasn't exactly poor, but I guess but we sometimes in some years and especially certain parts of years where some things sometimes we're, we struggled financially. Um, I, most of my clothes we did not go out and buy. I got them from a relative who were pest downs that lived in the area. And my parents, my father, his mother died when he was five years old. And his, there was a very big family, and his father split his kids up to other relatives. So he didn't even live with his own father. Um, and he dropped out of school in eighth grade. And believe it or not, he went to work. <laughs> and he never got his high school degree. And my mother, her father died when she was 12 years old. And she was a senior in high school, and she had to drop out because her father was already dead, and her, her, her mother had to work. So that's what she did. She dropped out of school to take care of her grandmother, who had cancer and was not in very good shape. So neither one of my parents graduated from high school. They did, however, instilled in all of us you know, certain qualities and things that got us, guiding us to strive for certain things, such as education. Education is really important. And because of that, in our situation, like sometimes Christmas times were difficult because you wanted to get presents for people, and sometimes you didn't have very much money to do that. Um, at, at any rate, I decided that I want to become an educator because I wanted to work in a profession where I can or could be like a role model for other kids that did not grow up in areas where, you know, there was a lot of um, well-educated people and such. Those families might also struggle financially, at least at times. Um, at that time, I hadn't decided what I was going to major in when I went to college. But I, I worked hard. My father was a very hardworking man. He often, besides, he worked in a, a Salonese, and, you know, not a very, and he worked there the whole time from the time I'm aware until he retired when he was much older. Uh, but he didn't make a lot of money there. Salonese no longer exists. It was a factory where they spun silk and stuff for making different kinds of fabrics. So in order to take care of the family, he often did some other jobs on the side, like mostly painting indoors and outdoors. And like I remember one year he, he painted the sanctuary in, in our church. And I remember one year the city of Cumberland hired him to do some painting for them. 
at any rate, I just wanted to point out that my parents, you know, really instilled in me a desire to excel at whatever it was I was going to do. It's like, it wasn't okay if you were working on something to do a mediocre job. That was just not a choice. And I pretty much still feel that way. So me, I, I, I end up going to Chavin John Junior High, and yes, let me just interrupt to remind folks of who they're listening to. If you're just turning on your radios or turning on your uh, your computers, Frank McKay here, but so much more importantly, Darlene Cunahan is the voice that you're hearing. And uh, she's a, a mathematician and educator and, you know, someone who's worked very hard to get to, to where she was and certainly wasn't born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Uh, Darlene, back to you. I didn't mean to cut you off. No problem. So my first position uh, after I graduated from Hood College was working as a math teacher in a junior high school in Montgomery County, Maryland. And um, there were some very good other role models there in terms of administrators and the head of the math department. In Montgomery County, the head of the math department is called a resource teacher. So they don't just order books and take care of supplies. They are part of the job is also to observe teachers and make recommendations for ways they can improve. Uh, at any rate, I had a really good resource teacher and a wonderful principal who happened to be the guy who hired me for the county. It's interesting. At any rate, I really liked my job. I had some rather unusual things happen while I was there. The principal was uh, Phil Dean, and I taught several different classes. I was there for three or four years in that school. Uh, I taught some uh, really bright kids during that time. And I also taught some that didn't have such a math, great math background, but had potential, but hadn't used their potential to much of a degree. Uh, the first year I was there, I had this, well, I can tell you about a couple of unusual situations I encountered while I was there. Please, yeah, please do. Okay. One is that there were two things. About the second week of school, the principal came to me and said something like, such as, I'm the, the rifle team coach. I run the rifle club uh, after school once a week. And I need a co-sponsor. And I, will you become my co-sponsor? And I said, to the rifle club? I never even touched a gun, let alone find one. He said, it doesn't matter, I'll teach you along with the kids. <laughs> I just need a co-sponsor. So I said, okay. Um, so, so that was quite an experience. But thing could never have that happen now. The kids would bring their 22s to school. Oh, 
my and when they went in, they would take them to the office and give it to the principal, and the principal would lock them up. And then, on a certain day, once a week, everybody, all the kids in the school, went to some club. <clears throat> but we had to drive and train and go to another place, to, to a firing range. And we went to... Um, a separate building that was a firing range in another in a private school in the area. So, so that was interesting. I learned a little bit uh, from him, and, and and once a year, and I was the very full club co-sponsor for the entire time I was at Kevin John Junior High, and once a year he would take us out to. This outdoor, I forget what you call it, but anyway, where you could go like trap shooting, yeah. for example, rifle with shotguns, rifle range or shooting range. Well, yeah, yeah, but I think you had to belong to the. Oh, I can't think. Gun club. Well, I think it's a national organization with you know like smaller clubs in different states or areas. Isaac Walton League. That's what it was. Okay, and so he took us out there and we did that, and that was fun, shooting at clay pigeons. And, but then, instead of them being shot out of the tower, like it's often done, he had, had purchased a bunch of clay pigeons, and he was throwing them up in the air himself. But that's in terms, so I learned how to do that, how to shoot, and I was pretty good at it. Um, and I actually ended up... Uh, over time, acquiring a few rifles, no no pistols, and he, at the end of my first year, as a president, gave me gave me a twenty two, wow. and I happened to get one from my family that was a lot older and had belonged to my, one of my ancestors on my mother's side of the family. Anyway. Uh, one thing that happened the first year I was there, is Kevin John Junior High had this course. It was actually consisted of four little courses where teachers taught something that's not usually offered in the curriculum, and the kids would rotate around to four different ones, one for each of the four quarters during the year. And I, I was teaching some math-related things, and... I had this one student in the class, and I just couldn't get him to do any of the homework. And I tried all kinds of different things, including speaking with the parents, and nothing worked. So I had to figure out what I could do, because I wasn't going to let him stay in there for uh, an entire quarter and not do any homework. That's not all right. So I came up with this plan, and I talked to all of his other teachers. And we made this agreement that I happened to have him in the morning first before the other teachers did. So I told them this is what I'd like to do. When he came, to, I wanted starting whatever date we decided to agree on. He would come to my class first thing, and he went and had his homework. But he stayed in class and participated in class, and then he'd even go to his next class. And the next teacher was prepared and handed him an envelope 
that said Ms. Cunahan on it and asked him to please deliver it to me and not to come back until I gave him a note in a sealed envelope to take back to him or her. So at the end of my class with him, so he comes to my class the next day without this envelope, right? And, or it was the same day, I guess it was. Anyway, so I said, you go ahead and open the envelope. And then it said, remaining from this community and work on some math that you never did for your homework. Just stay there all period. So we stayed in my classroom for the, my next class, which wasn't even, you know, the same subject is what the course was that he was taking. And he understood, and I gave him such a, you know, start working on, on these assignments that you never did. So at the end of the period, he left, and that was fine. But then he, so he went to his third period class, and guess what happened? The same thing. His third period teacher went through the same procedure, giving him an envelope to come back to see me. Yeah, and when that happened, he comes back and he says, is this going to keep happening all day long? And I said, yes, all day long. I mean, you're really far behind on the homework. Until you get caught up, that's what we're going to do. Well, after that week, after a few days, he came to see me after school and said, if I make up all that work at home, can, that, can I start going with my other classes then? And I said, of course. So he... He started doing everything on time and participating more. So, and the other teachers decided, ah, that worked pretty well for Miss Cunningham. It should work pretty well for me too. <laughs> so, after a while, we we waited like a week, and then it started again. That was initiated by an, another teacher in that rotation, for which he hadn't done assignments. So he made a big turnaround, started working in all four of our classes. I had another unusual thing happen there. What was that? I mean, let me let me just go back to uh, one one quick question, and I'll remind everyone: Darlene Cunahan is the voice that you're hearing. Frank McKay here with Darlene. Um, did you did you have experience with guns prior to being uh, in that situation? Oh no, I never even touched a gun. <laughs> Oh my God, isn't that amazing? Just absolutely amazing. Uh, well, ahead. yeah, I was. When he asked me to be the co-sponsor, when the principal asked me to be the co-sponsor of the rival team or club, I was flabbergasted. You know, just like, but he was a principal, and I didn't, I didn't think it would be okay to say no. And I think I mentioned earlier, I stand for excellence, courage, and respect. Well, so I, I had to have the courage to say yes and risk going and doing something I didn't know anything about. So that's part of what I do. I'm going to try lots of things. Yeah. Go ahead. I cut you off. You were going to say something. Well, yeah. Another year, I had this really bright student. He was unusual, and he was in... Um, an honors geometry class that I was teaching at Gavin John Junior High. And one day, he, in front of the class, raises his hand and says, Mr. Cunahan, 
I think I have a term that's not in our book, and we haven't done in class. Um, and I was wondering if you think it's a theorem, like I do, and if so, how can we prove it? Because he said he'd been working on it and he couldn't figure out how to do it. Anyway, so he initially, so I put, I said, okay, read it to me, and I put it on the board. I read out the, what he proposes, and when you do a mathematical proof, you have a given information that you can use, and you have to know what it is you're trying to prove and go through a series of logical steps where you can back up everything. So I also draw a picture that goes along with this problem. You know, and I look at it and I say, hmm. I ask the class what they thought. Do you think this is probably true? Or maybe not. <laughs> and then I looked and I looked and I said, well, I'm almost positive that it's true, but not quite. And I said, Right off, I don't see how to prove it, but let me take a look at it tonight, and I'll get back to you tomorrow. And the rest of you kids, after you do your homework, if you have time and want to, take a look at it and see if you can figure out how to prove it. Well, it drove me nuts at home. I could not figure out how to prove that theorem. But I was I, I just knew that it had to be a theorem. <laughs> so I couldn't go to sleep. So I stayed up and worked on it. I finally figured out how to prove it. And so, so I wrote it down very neatly so I could reproduce it and give it to the kids the next day. And back in that day, there were no Xerox machines. So I had to use this stuff called a ditto machine where you had to write things on a um, a piece of paper with like something like a carbon paper under it onto this other thing that you could then use to duplicate it. But you had to like attach it to this machine and turn it anyway. We don't have such things anymore, thank goodness. So I printed enough copies of it to give to all of my geometry students. And it was, I think, three and a half or four pages long. And I don't write large. I write fairly small. Yeah, so I wasn't dragging it out. And I did a two-column proof with statements on one side and the reasons that you can say those things and back them up with appropriate mathematical things. And then I went through it with the class. But first, I, I had a proof, I proved another theorem so I could use it in the proof of the one that he brought to class. At any rate, this student who brought this up to me was not working very hard. He was like not studying it like he should. And he had gotten to see the first grading period. And an amazing thing happened. Right after we did that proof in class, he suddenly became an A student. And I couldn't understand why or what happened that made him decide to make such a change. He said, well, it just got more interesting. So, you know, I didn't press the issue, but at the end of the year, um, for the kids that were in, let's see, it was a junior high, and at that time, that was grade seven, eight, nine, and he was a ninth grader. So it was the end of the year, and it was also meant he wouldn't be in the... Uh, to go and park junior high anymore. 
so they have this parents' night at the end of the year, and it was held in the courtyard of the school. So, you know, I went to it, and I met his father there, and his father came up to me and told me something. He said, you know that film that my son brought to you? He said, he never told you where he got that film from, did he? No. He made it sound like he thought of it. He said, well, I gave it to him. Not being the father gave it to him. And the father told him that one of his instructors in college had given the kids in the court, the young people in his course, that theorem and asked them to figure out how to prove it. And he'd been, ta been teaching in that college for a long time, and nobody had ever been able to figure it out. He said, my son was so impressed. One, first, that you figured out how to do it. And second, that you did it and handed it back to them the very next day. And so he decided that if you are going to work that hard to answer his question, he was going to work that hard for you. So as a teacher, you do things and you never, you have an impact on kids and sometimes you have no idea how that happened, but it happened. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, listen, keep your thought. Uh, we've got a lot. We got a lot more to cover with you. Uh, Darlene Cunahan has been our very special guest. I, Darlene, do you have a website or a social media site where you could point out and we can kind of follow along with what you're doing? I don't do that. You don't? Okay. Yeah. L listen, a lot of people would say you're smart for not doing that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you, know you, you kind of have your privacy. Yeah, it's not that I couldn't do it. I choose not to do it for a variety of reasons. Okay, and it's even more important these days than it was some years ago. Yeah. Well, listen. Am I? Yeah. Right. It's, uh, it, 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 it certainly depends on the individual and so forth. But, Darlene, I want to thank you for being here with us, and I look forward to our future conversations. Fascinating, really fascinating stuff here. And, and I'll tell you, your parents motivated you the right way, and, uh, and they motivated you right into education. And without that proper push, you know, who knows? You know, it's, uh, you, know you and I are two people who are, who are not born with uh, silver spoons in our mouths, and, <laughs> to say the least. Darlene, thank you very much for being here. Okay, so I guess when we speak again, I can talk a little bit about experiences and other positions. No doubt. No doubt, and we'll get into all of that. Darlene Cunahan, everyone, has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.